in a world few have dared to explore. Two men set out on an epic journey to answer life's manliest questions. From the Fortress of Smoothitude in Lawrence, Kansas, it's The Gentleman Podcast with Glenn Stansberry and Brian McKinney. Welcome to the Gentleman Podcast. I am Brian McKinney. I'm sitting to the left of the riveting Glenn Stansberry. Oh, wow. It's high praise. Riveting. Like Rosie the Riveter? Or... Like engaging. In, oh, oh, oh. Riveting. Just moving. You know? I like to think of myself as a... a like like riveting something. Yeah, like the my actual... soul. <laughs> so- with your... Uh, it's got deep real quick. With your, uh, with your pointed remarks... it's just uh i'm trying to hype you up here glenn oh thank you well um i figure if i could get the first you know in the first 30 seconds of the podcast i could say that it's going to be riveting that oh you know know what i mean it's like marketing yeah yeah i got you you're selling the sizzle not the actual no we're a couple of hamburgers being sold as steaks (laughs) yeah we are local grass-fed steaks we're yeah we're ground ground steaks (laughs) Ground, ground round. Ground round. A couple of ground rounds. Ground and round. Uh, speaking of local grass-fed steaks, Glenn. Yes. Um, Gentlemint.com is a site you should visit. And you know why? Mm-hmm. Because it's all locally sourced stuff. Um, wherever you are at, like say, okay, let's just say you're in Kansas. Well, good news. Mm-hmm. The site is locally raised there. Mm-hmm. Let's say you're in New York. Good news. Uh, our servers are located mm-hmm. around New York somewhere, mm-hmm. so it's all local stuff, um, and you know it, it's it's grass fed, local, no GMO, no gluten. Yep. So, you know, B- Brian and I have built a web to browser platform. Yes, um, a web to browser, uh, and it is farm to web to browser. Yes, from our Kansas farm. I did grow to up you. on a farm, mm-hmm. kind of. It's yeah. really and I live a on a farm, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, it's farm <laughs> yeah. to web to browser. It's a new. It's a new thing. Everybody's really into this though, mm-hmm. and so we're excited to bring that mm-hmm. to you now, especially in the form of a podcast. Yeah, a little foreshadowing there, Brian, for some yeah. of the stuff we're going to be talking about. That's true, but I figured I should get that out of the way while we're marketing the site. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I should let everybody know that hey. you, you got to support your local website, which is gentleman.com. That's right. Wherever you are in the world, wherever I heard a quote somewhere that uh, when you spend one dollar locally, it's three dollars. That's right. That's right, Glenn. So if you send us one dollar from your locality, yes, that's like three dollars that's going to come back mm-hmm. uh, in karma mm-hmm. to you. I don't know how that works. If you listen to three podcasts, <laughs> three pod- that's like nine podcasts that you listen to. Just because it feels like it'll, it's nine, it'll, it'll really, feel, it will really you, feel to you like you listen to nine. You'll feel dehydrated. Yep, your ears will feel dehydrated. So if you want to listen to three podcasts of ours, you can go to podcast.gentleman.com where you can also check out other episodes that we've done. You can uh, see some of the beers we rated. You can follow along with the links from this episode, all that kind of stuff. Um, if you want to get in touch with the local. Uh, your local riffraff gentleman podcast. Oh. You know what I mean? Uh, you can do so by sending a letter because, you know, who sends emails? That's kind of lame. Look, we're all hipsters here. Yeah. Get back to sending letters with a pencil. Mm-hmm. Use a pencil to send a letter. Come on. I prefer number two, sharpen three times. It's like a Blackhawk um, Tyco- Ticonderoga. Original, yeah. 
which uh, Walt Disney preferred mm-hmm. himself. Mm-hmm. So I prefer that kind of... If you're going to send us a letter, please use that specific type of pencil because mm-hmm. we're tired of the mechanical pencil letters that we're getting. It's a little yeah. bit embarrassing. Come on, guys. Uh, but anyway... If you want to send us a letter, um, which I'm sure now everybody does, uh, you can do so by sending a letter to P.O. Box 442-305, Lawrence, Kansas, 66044. Send a a letter to the gentleman mailbag. Ask us a question. uh, Make a comment to us. uh, You know, whatever you want to do. Yell at us. Yell at us. uh, Send us a contract. We'll sign it. Yeah. Um, We won't even read it. Anything. Yeah, whatever you want to do. Just send it over to us. Whatever it is. I don't know. Um, that's kind of probably opening up a lot of big can of worms. Uh, but anyway, if you send us a letter to the general podcast, we will talk about it on the podcast. Uh, we will put your letter on the hall slash wall of fame, which we know and love as the hall of fame. Hall. The hall of fame. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Scottish. We will, yeah, it's, it has its origins mm-hmm. in 16th century Scotland. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, and I've adapted that to the hall slash wall of fame. Um, but anyway, so send us a letter, P.O. Box 442305, Lawrence, Kansas, four. We will talk about it. We will we will answer your questions, your comments, your concerns, and then we will send you maybe a little bit of tiny something, just a something back. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, Glenn. Well, we got all that stuff out of the way. Whew. All right. Let's uh, get into the meat of the episode, which is the drink of the week. It couldn't come any quicker, Brian, because I just played in the park with my daughters. Oh. Like came straight over here. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, then I pulled some meat out of the smoker. This is not a lie. Actually, this is this is. I had a busy evening. I, uh, sorry, I'm hijacking this right now. But no, I'm, no. what I'm getting at is, is that I've I've been outside a lot mm-hmm. and hot, sweaty, and you know, right. smoky conditions. I need something. Yep. I'm I'm I need to slake my thirst. Yeah, I understand. I understand. Um, and so went to the liquor store and picked up. A brewery, a beer by a brewery that we have not covered yet. I do not believe. I've never seen this one before, so I'm, I'm excited about this. Sort of. They have their own little. <laughs> you're sort of excited. <laughs> they have their own shelf at the liquor store now. They've wow. got probably five or six beers. Okay. I should say shelf. I mean, they've got their own. In in the one cooler, they have one shelf, mm-hmm. the very top. Yep. Okay. Uh, usually not a good sign, but we've we've had some top shelf stuff before. We've podcast. had some top shelf and some bottom shelf, <laughs> and everywhere in between. Uh huh. We do not discriminate, and we won't discriminate with this beer either. It's a Firestone DBA, which stands for Double Barrel Ale. Mm-hmm. And the price, well, before I get into the price, Brian, did you did you happen to find anything about this brewery? We want to check things out before we you know dump something down our, our gullets. Well, okay, so this is a Southern California brewery. Um, it says, like, in Venice and a couple other places. I don't know. I was all into this brewery. Until I started reading their website, and you know, we always go to the about page of these breweries to try to find out more about them. And it says it was started by two brothers, except they're it's a brother-in-laws, not real actual brothers. Oh, really? Yes. Uh, so one of them's married to one of them's one of their wives or something. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> That sounds. Was this like a? I meant, you know, like, big no, love kind of. No, it's like a brother-in-law. It's like you know, uh, Lynn's. If Lynn had a brother, if Lynn has, Lynn has a sister. If you started a brewery with Lynn's sister, this is what your website would look like. You know what I mean? Would that be? That'd be. Uh, I've got a brother-in-law. Yeah. Okay. He's married to my sister. Yes. Yes. If we started a brewery, that's what yes. we, we would be brothers technically, yes. but not really. Mm-hmm. Just by. Um, just brother in the term brother. Just by law. We would be brothers. <laughs> um, Lawfully. Anyway. Which is not that big of a deal. No. I have nothing against brother-in-laws. I've got one. Yep. I've got Great a couple. Guy. Yeah. No, three. Um, but the thing is, uh, they refer to themselves um, 
David Walker and Adam Firestone. David Walker refers to himself as the lion. Mm. And Adam Firestone <laughs> refers to himself as the bear. <laughs> he looks let me like tell a you possum. Something. Yeah, he looks like a possum. <laughs> Uh, so <laughs> nothing against the guy, but if you're gonna have a nickname like the bear, yeah, you, you better, better look, look like, like a bear. bear. Yeah, <laughs> and this guy does not. So I take a I take a little bit of issue with this. You so know, I'm immediately turned off by this. Your buddy can, right? Yes. If he said he was the bear, I would be like, like, okay, yep, yep you're he's the, the bear. bear. All he's right, you. I mean, yeah. you know. Grizzly, yeah, and he's hairy. I'm not gonna and mess with him. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's a like bear. a big bear. Yeah. This is like a mongoose. Yeah, this is like uh, the guy that was the head of the debate team in high school, uh, saying he's the bear all of a sudden. <laughs> and last time I checked, people give other people nicknames. You don't mm-hmm. give yourself nicknames. Mm-hmm. That one time I did give myself a. Or maybe you gave me that nickname, White Cheddar. White Cheddar. <laughs> Well, that's different. <laughs> that's not an actual... That's, well, no, that is a nickname, but, you know, we don't talk about that, Glenn. We don't talk about that very much. Glenn's, Glenn's nickname being White Cheddar. We don't we don't get into that very much. But, uh... Maybe we should put that on the website. Glenn Sansbury. The White Cheddar. A.K.A. How did that come about? How uh, I don't even remember. They don't even... Are you talking about White Cheddar? White Cheddar. I don't remember. That's just a hell of a nickname. <laughs> I don't think that it needs to be anything more than that. I think I just accepted it at some point. Well, I don't think... Yeah. Uh, <coughs> some, some nicknames do not need to be explained. Nope. You know what I mean? But that guy needs to explain how he came up with the bear. I, I agree. And I, I think that David Walker, as the lion, needs to explain that too. Yep. Because he, he does not look like a lion very like much the, either. The pelican. Yeah. So anyway, well, I will say this about the brewery before we even open the the, yeah, the bottles. Okay, I'm gonna here. try to clear my mind of this. <laughs> the 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 logo and like the iconography is pretty cool. Like it's kind of mm-hmm. it's kind of nice. It's kind of fun. Yep. Kind of cool looking brewery. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe they're maybe this is all a prank, which would be even better. Uh, that would be better. However, just. To- Based on how seriously they're trying to look in these pictures, I just I don't know if I yeah, can see that. So anyway. I'm not gonna I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Let, yeah, let's just put that out of our let's just ease our mind Ugh. out of that and uh, try to try to focus on the beer here. So anyway, what were you gonna say about the price? <sighs> I can't remember. <laughs> uh, oh, it was ten fifty. Ten woo. Yeah. Oh, pricey. Yeah. The lion's getting a little greedy. Yeah. <laughs> or is it the bear? I don't know. Um one of them is probably the accountant. Um <laughs> Yeah, ten fifty for a six pack. Okay, um, and it's nothing special either. It's five percent alcohol, so it's mm-hmm. not like you're paying for a you know a double IPA or something, right? Um, so yeah, I was a little surprised, but I thought you know what, you only you only live once. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, well, let's uh, yeah, let's live once, Glenn. Yeah, <laughs> let's do it. Uh, <laughs> so alcohol by volume is fifty five point zero. The IBUs are 30, 30 IBUs on this thing. Uh, the color is 13.5 SRM. Yeah. So make sure you important. make note of that. Thank you. Uh, it's very cold. The uh, mm. It's got several awards. Uh, 2002 World Beer Cup. 2000, style 2002? 2002. So 15 years ago? Yeah. Okay. Uh, 2010 Silver Medal Great American Beer Festival. Mm. 2011 Gold Medal Great American Beer Festival. Gold Medal, Gold Medal, Gold Medal. Well, nice. So 
I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Well, right. let's try. Let's give it a shot here. Cheers, Brian. <laughs> the DBA. <sighs> That's pretty good. That's really good. That's pretty good. That's really good. Woo! You know, if these guys didn't call themselves the Lion and the Bear, mm. I would be liking this beer a lot right now. Yeah. If it wasn't 10.50, I'd be liking this beer a lot right now. That's really, I mean, that's what's that's what's holding these guys back. Here, okay. Whew, Here's good. the thing. They need to change their names. From the Lion and the Bear to the Pelican mm. and the... Mongoose. Accountant. <laughs> the accountant. And uh, they need to start selling their beer for a dollar less in Kansas. Yep. Nine fifty. Okay. You got me. Ten fifty. Uh, you can fool me once. Man. So the beer is like a little, like a tiny bit of sweetness. It's kind of yeah. It's kind of toffee. Very little hops. Very good. Very uh, smooth. Smooth. Crisp and refreshing. Level. <clears throat> uh, definitely a. Um, Got some caramel stuff going on mm-hmm. here. You know? This is a good... Yeah, yeah. this is a good, like, hang on on the porch. Yeah. It's And also, it's one of those beers... <clears throat> excuse me. It's one of those beers that doesn't get in the way with whatever you're doing. Like, right. you know what I mean? It's pretty... It's, uh... What's it? Wait, wait, wait. I don't know. It's just low maintenance. Let's put it that way. It's yeah. Just, it's just there. It's nice. It's refreshing. But you're not gonna... You're not drinking a... a yeah. Tar based stout, <laughs> cornucopia of flavors right. here. Citrus IPA to death or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's just pretty, hmm. pretty solid. Okay, Glenn. Well, wow. All right. Well, we uh, we've had this beer now. We've had an opportunity to taste it. Hmm. We've reviewed their website. We know what this brewery is kind of all about. Mm-hmm. What uh, if you had to give some kind of rating this beer? What would you What would you add to it? Before we do that, Brian, have you noticed that Southern California beers, for whatever reason, decide that they can price their beers like two to three times, or two to three dollars more than... Yeah, I don't think I didn't notice that. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. It's not like they're using different water ingredients. No. Um, uh, yeah, it's a little weird. I mean, we talked about the... Uh, I mean, we talked about the school Ballast Point. Ballast Point, yeah. Uh, San Diego Brewery. Yep. Somehow they can sell a six pack for fifteen dollars mm-hmm. in Lawrence, Kansas, which apparently they don't have a actuary telling them that you know <laughs> you don't sell beers in Lawrence, Kansas for fifteen dollars. People buy them though. The thing, I mean, it's because they have the market on these like weird, like grapefruit, yeah, you know, pale ale beers or that I will never buy. Exactly, watermelon ever. IPAs, right. stuff like that. I'm sure they get a hundred and ten. On yeah. uh, beersnob.com, but on the mustache twist scale, yeah. it's more like a point ten out of ten. You know, fiction can be fun, but I find right. the reference section a bit more enlightening. <laughs> okay, so anyway, well, uh, okay, well, let, so Glenn, what would your what would your rating on this beer be then? If, well, uh, you had to choose. On one hand, it is a beautiful, great beer. It mm-hmm. is just mm, yep. smooth, crisp, right. Everything you want in a in a in an yep. ale, Agreed. a good solid ale. Agreed. Yeah. On the other hand, it's a little bit pompous and a little bit expensive. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which kind of will take you down a couple notches. Then that doesn't play well in the Midwest. No. Let me tell you. <laughs> uh. <Nuh-uh. laughs> so I would, you know, if you didn't have those things going against it, I would say mid to high eighties. I mean, I, yep. I really think that's a good beer, but because agree. you know, I, I'm going to pull it all the way down to like an eighty-one. Mm-hmm. Wow, eighty-one, huh? Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. What about you? I was going to go 7.3. Whoa! Because <laughs> I don't... Whoa. I don't take kindly <laughs> to... 
Tell him no well, hang on. West Coast Brewery coming in here <laughs> trying to sell me a beer for ten fifty. Uh, okay, let me let me explain my reasoning here. Okay. First okay. of all, the line in the bear. But yeah. second beyond that, okay, we're talking about ten fifty and the alcohol by volume is only five percent. Typically if we get into the ten dollar yep. range, we're talking about a six, seven, eight percent alcohol, mm-hmm. you know, where and that and we see that in non California breweries. Where an yeah. eight, it's an eight percent value, you know, it's high percentage alcohol. Mm-hmm. Price goes up to nine fifty, ten bucks, you know. But this is like straight up, and this is like their flagship ale, and they're mm-hmm. saying it's worth ten fifty. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm suspect of that. Mm-hmm. I, I think because of the price, it really drags it down for me. I, I, I would agree with that. I think it's, I think it's, uh, yeah, I think it's prohibitive. That's for sure. So I'm yeah. trying to think uh, if we've had other beers that are low alcohol. You know, really good beers, but low alcohol and high price that we can kind of. You know. I mean, I think Deschutes, but Deschutes doesn't push it up under. It's I mean, like nine fifty, isn't it? Yeah, nine bucks is yeah. what Deschutes goes for. You know, nine or nine fifty. So, <sighs> yeah, yeah, maybe I'm maybe I'm being a little generous, but that's why you're there, Brian. You're there. Well, between the two of us and, and the MTS computer, right? Then we know what the empirical rating of this uh, it, Firestone Walker beer. It all comes is. out in the wash. Yeah, it does. Okay, Glenn, well, let, let me, speaking of which, let me type this into the MCS computer. We have the proprietary MTS computer here mm. by my side uh, in this room. Uh, the keyboard is hooked up to the supercomputer room where it will do all the processing and then finally let us know what the actual empirical score for the Firestone Walker DBA is. Okay, so we said uh, the alcohol by volume was 5.0%. We said that the... IBUs were thirty. We said the price was ten fifty, right? Price was ten fifty. Yes, ten fifty. Okay. We said mm-hmm. the color was thirteen point five SRM. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I'm going to add in that the malts are premium two row Maris Otter Pale, mm-hmm. Munich, Crystal, mm-hmm. and Chocolate. Okay. And add in a bit about the the website. Uh, the website, and I'm going to type in here that the, the guys were pompous on their website. Okay. okay. Um, that's all factored in. So okay. now we just have to wait a second. It's going to print this thing off. It's going to give us a full report on the DBA, and then we'll be able to tell you what the score was. It's good beer. It's good beer. Man. I'm not going to stop drinking it. No, 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 no. I'm drinking it. No. But uh, the air about it is duly noted. Mm. That's for sure. Um... Okay, Glenn. Well, the, the the report just came in hot off the presses. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me flip through this thing, and let me find here. Let's see. Okay, so, um, okay, page page eighty. Okay, here it is. Uh, the score. Uh, <laughs> it's a seven point seven. Whoa, seven point seven on the mustache with scale. <clears throat> so I have to say, it's probably on the low side of the mid range. You yeah. said eight point one. I did, and I said uh, seven point three. Mm-hmm. And so that in, you know, the MTS computer weighs in and says, you guys are both wrong. It's a 7.7. 7. You know what? So, I'll give him that. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, okay, Glenn. Well, one more, one more thing about this beer. We're going to hop over to beersnob.com and okay. check out the, uh, what the beer snobs have to say about the Firestone Walker DBA. Interesting. Hmm. Beer snobs rate this beer as an 8.3. Hmm. So a little hmm. bit higher than we do, of course, because yeah. they're snobs. I would have thought that they would have played into a, in a higher level with the snobs because of the higher price and the pompousness of the site. I don't know. Give it some time. Well, I get maybe the jury's still out. I don't know. I don't know what we can do. Okay. 
Well, we got that figured out, Glenn. Everybody knows now the real scientific score is 7.7, so we can move on from that. All right, Glenn, speaking of moving on, let's get into some interesting posts from Gentleman.com in the last two weeks or so. All right, well, <clears throat> Brian, first up, we have a uh, attack by the effervescent on your keister. Mm-hmm. Uh, Effervescent's a good way to describe him. Yeah, one of one of the be- if not one one of the best members for sure. One of the best member names. Yes, on your keister. Absolutely. Um. Anyway, he's posted a link from Nidorama that's titled "Compassionate Judge Sentences a Veteran to 24 Hours in Jail, but then joins joins him behind bars." Mm-hmm. And this article is great. Uh, it's a great story about. Um, we have a Sergeant Joseph Cerna of the U.S. Army Special Forces, Special Forces guy who served three tours in Afghanistan. So this guy has has seen a lot. Seen it all. He's, yeah. And he's had some issues with uh, PTSD. So he's having t- trouble readjusting to um, civilian life. Mm-hmm. And he had a DUI in his town of Fayetteville, North Carolina. Um, he's on probation and in a treatment program. And he was supposed to report regularly to the court about the treatment and how it was going. And during one of the court appearances, he admitted to the judge that he'd actually um, kind of lied about a urine test. Mm-hmm. Which I don't. I get the impression that he didn't have to do. Like he could have right. just said, nah, "That's kind of the impression." No, I, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't lie. But mm-hmm. he went out and said, "Yep, I lied about it." Mm-hmm. And the judge says, "Well, all right." So he's the judge sentenced Cerna to twenty four hours in jail, and then immediately took off his robe and said, "All right, let's go." The judge went with Cerna and spent the entire 24 hours uh, in jail with him mm-hmm. uh, to prove a point that... Because the judge was also a veteran. Right. And he knew he knew that Cerna wasn't a bad guy. Right. He wasn't a he criminal. Was problems. He's just having a hard time adjusting. And instead of making a big deal about it, he, he ruled fairly, but went above and beyond. And mm-hmm. So basically, Judge... Uh, and the judge's name is Judge Lou Oliveira... I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Mm-hmm. Um, the judge stepped in, and, and he basically spent the 24 hours in jail with Cerna. Uh, and during that time, because he was also he had also served, he spent the whole night talking to him mm-hmm. about um, his life, his dreams, his ambitions for his families, what he wants to do in life, and his own service, and mm-hmm. talked to this guy about his service. Um, and I think it made a pretty big impact on Cerna because he talked about, you know, how he's so surprised that the judge would actually come and do that. And I mean, I can't even imagine a, a judge, you know, taking the time to do that and having the compassion to do that. It's, mm-hmm. it's obviously a very special situation. The judge said he wanted to help Cerna um, because, and this is a quote from me, I thought about a story I once read. It talked about a soldier with PTSD in a hole. Said a family member, a therapist, and a friend all throw down a rope to help a veteran suffering. Finally, a fellow veteran climbs into the hole with him, and the soldier asks, "Why'd you come down here?" And the fe- the fellow soldier replied, "I'm I'm here to climb out of the hole with you." Mm-hmm. So that's basically what he wanted to do. Is he wanted to sit there with him through his time of of difficulty and try to help him get out. Yeah, I mean, he, he it wasn't just you know ruling. It wasn't he totally humanized the process right. for for the soldier, and you know it's something that. I don't know. We could probably take a lesson from. I mean, it's easy to say, you know, this guy should clean up his act. And right. This mm-hmm. guy went in above and beyond the judge did and, and helped him because he, he right. knew what it was like. Yeah. I mean. And you, you hope that a, a big act like that, or not an act, but a, a big, you know, generous thing that the judge does by taking the time to spend, you know, 24 hours with this guy that he doesn't even know. No. 
uh, you think that, that will have an impact on on the guy's life, and, and hopefully Cerna can kind of you know move things back on the right track. It sounds like he's just one of those you know people like we all are that has some tough times once in a while. Somebody needs to take a second and give him a little bit of time. Well, and it's not even you know. I mean, with soldiers, it's it's not even self-imposed. I mean, it's just he's you know doing a service overseas right. and has mm-hmm. witnessed a lot of things that yeah you and I don't have to worry about exactly. And so, uh, yeah, yeah. So a little bit of compassion goes a long way, and uh, need to see more of this stuff out there. It's been really popular on gentleman dot com for good reason. Yes, um, it's a good story, and it's really a really cool uh, thing that the judge Oliveira decided to do. Very smart. Yes. I like it. Um, okay, Glenn. Well, let's, uh, let's talk about our next tack right here. Uh, and moving on to something incredibly <laughs> the opposite. Equally as important. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't say that. Um, <laughs> no. We, we have a whole episode. There's a lot of... there's. We're going to touch on this kind of vibe a couple more times. It's an undercurrent. Episode. Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, anyway, this is called... This was... This was sorry. This was posted to gentleman.com from... Our good friend Zombie Cat Bacon, who always posts great stuff to the site all the time. Yeah, it's like every time I go back to gentleman.com, uh, Zombie Cat Bacon's posted something awesome to the site. So we really appreciate you for uh, for adding stuff like this to the site. Mm-hmm. And this is a great link. It's no exception. This is called the twenty. This twenty five year old is turning a profit selling pencils. Uh, this is from Bloomberg.com, and this is a. Uh, Interesting slash annoying story um, <laughs> about one girl's dream to sell really expensive pencils, or not like, super expensive, but like kind of. I don't know. She okay. So uh, this is a story all about Caroline Weaver, and uh, she wants to start an empire of pencil selling. Oh, she doesn't want to, Brian. She did. I don't know if I would call one retail store <laughs> an empire yet. She started. She started the empire. Yes. Um, she started the empire, like Star Wars. Um, except for pencils. Except for pencils. Uh, so in her Death Star of pencils, she uh, she's talking about how one man ordered $4,000 worth of pencils um, because they were designed like John Steinbeck's favorite, the Blackwing 24. And who doesn't love a Blackwing 24? I know. I mean, it's hard for me to like, I you know, I want to order some Blackwing 24s right now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. For all the sketching that I'm going to be doing about uh, pencils. She has a nice pencil tattoo on her wrist. Yes, uh, that shows that she's committed to pencils. Yes, which is something that's you know very admirable. I I, I really appreciate people that are uh, committed to pencils. Wait, hang on. Let's talk a little bit more about her her tattoo, Brian. So this isn't just any tattoo. It's it's drawn right. by her mother, mm-hmm. and this is a Ticonderoga, a black ti- Ticonderoga, <laughs> a black Ticonderoga pencil oh, of course yeah but it's not just any black ticonderoga pencil nope, it's no, been no. sharpened three times yes okay because according to weaver that is the the pencil that is sharpened and used three times is the perfect length oh okay so mm. in case you're wondering what that length was mm, it's three times sharpened sharpened three times and, and used, and used three, three times. times so um basically the last time i can remember sharpening a pencil brian uh I have. Uh, I think I was in third grade. I was in third grade, grade, man. I remember the. Yep. You know the little. Ha- yeah, the rotary sharpener. And thing. you know you have like the little square ones that were in like your your mm-hmm. your pencil box. Yeah. Little tiny personal ones. Mm-hmm. I used to kind of like. I I did like you know sharpening the pencil just because like you know it's fun to watch the shavings fall off and everything. But yeah. but I, I mean I was seven. But then we were seven years old. Yeah. When we were doing. But this. anyway, so um, this article is all about. Um, and you know we shouldn't poo poo on this girl's aspirations. It's kind of cool that 
She went out on her own and spent $80,000. $80,000 of her own money to start her <laughs> pencil empire. Uh, but she she did. She went out and got a, a New York... Uh, New a York. New York shop, shop front. Shop front? She, uh, she didn't want it to be too, like... You know, in a nice neighborhood, too much. You know oh no, I mean? no, no, no! Can't no hipsters don't go there. Yeah, exactly. So you you have to go find your shop. You gotta get on the fringes. Yeah, you gotta you gotta dig through some areas to go find her shop. Mm-hmm. Um, and she has an online store, which we're not going to name because I don't want anybody to buy any pencils from this lady. Um, <laughs> Are you serious, then, Brian? Uh, Come uh, on. But anyway, I, no, I mean, I have to give her credit for starting her own store. That takes money and. Uh, Taking a big risk and all that stuff. However, I mean, the entire store is devoted to pencils. <laughs> and uh, she's got a pencil podcast, I think. And I don't know. She grew up in she grew up in Ohio and studied art at, in London. Uh, and then she just had an obsession with pencils, apparently. And th- okay, here's the thing. This, this, this person is getting the wrath of my... This whole why are I I don't understand why somebody would buy four thousand dollars worth of wooden pencils. A fool and his money are soon parted, Brad. I I, I it's a it's a pencil. Is it any different than the oh. pencil that I? Oh, it's different. I, I wonder. Like I really, really wonder that. <laughs> I wonder. I, I mean, a pencil is an eraser. And wood and graphite, right? Is that what a it pencil is, is? Well, yeah. Okay, so how how different can these pencils be? She said that hipsters don't pay the bills at CW. That's her pencil store because her name's Caroline Weaver. Mm-hmm. Um, CW. Uh, most of Weaver, Weaver's customers are millennials, she says. The big spenders are roughly 15% that are over 50. The shop's five customers who spend between three and $4,000 a year on pencils are all over 40 so it's all the old people all the blue hairs are buying thousands of dollars worth of pencils i um but how can she say they spend between three and four thousand dollars a year when she's only been open for like not very long also how does she have demographics I mean, is she like getting there, you know? Yeah. Social security number when you check out? Yeah. Uh, can I, yeah, <clears throat> verify your age, please? Yeah, I always think it's funny when they throw in numbers like that. They don't really know. But it is interesting that uh, one number that I bet she isn't, I mean, well, I mean, that she actually would probably know is that the average sale at this pencil company mm-hmm. online is $50. Hmm. $50 worth of pencils. And $25 in store. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, you know, kudos to her for finding a way to. You know, she said that she um, she's had offers for financers to like expand her empire, mm-hmm. but she said like you know she's not really good at finance and stuff, so she just doesn't want to do that yep. because you know she doesn't do that very well. But her Instagram has eighty four thousand followers, ninety four thousand, and she has a pencil of the month. It's like Dollar Shave Club except, except for pencils, and it's eighty dollars, <laughs> not one dollar. <laughs> $80 for a year. $80, $80 for 12 pencils. The $80 pencil club. The $80 pencil club. Yeah. So, one pencil a month, $80. $80. A year. I, I, yeah. I, I, okay. I, I mean, I've already signed up. I am not the target. I know what your Christmas present is going to be. <laughs> oh, thanks, buddy. That's just what I want. I think, I think the main thing that immediately just caught my eye about this story that mm-hmm. 
put me in a bad mood was just the the lead image yeah. of the story. Yeah. It's like somebody's so trying hard. This looks like a turd. I know. <laughs> so trying I'm sorry. hard. Sorry. I can't to to God, just take it so seriously. Yeah, exactly. And it's like you're it's a pencil shop. But she claims that they do make a profit. Mhm. You know what, Brian? We should start a pencil shop for children who are actually in school and use pencils. There you go. What do you think about that? That would be awesome, actually. Because... Get one with, like, a slinky on the end of it or something. Well, and- <laughs> yeah. Kids love pencils. You know what I mean? Kids love them. I, 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 I like them well enough. I think if I did, like, if I drew, like, if I was a, you know, yeah, design like student... Artist. Yeah, like a, that could yeah. make... I make sense. I would, yeah. I would... But if I'm, you know, jotting down notes in my notebook with a Ticonderoga number two... They have... Look, if you're a... You know, they have different pencil weights and stuff like that for lead, you yeah. know, and everything. But you go to the art store and you get a 2B pencil or whatever. You know, you get an H pencil or yeah. whatever. It doesn't have to be a Black Wing Hockmeister 26 Steinbeck or whatever. Series. The John Steinbeck. Yeah. Give me the Walt Whitman. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's not going to turn you into John Steinbeck if you use that pencil. That could be what it is. That could be what it's about. Uh, we've been too hard on Caroline Weaver. We have. Go she, support her. Go start her $80 pencil club. Put It's... Her store is called CW Pencil Enterprise. So yep. please uh, go. We we have been go negative. To, go to New York's Lower East Side and go buy some pencils from her, please. We're we're not normally this negative, Brian. I know, I know. I'm sorry, Caroline. You caught Caroline. us on the wrong night. Yeah, it's terrible. Well, we got this whole we got a whole episode about it. You know what? We the, have a locally sourced website here. We do. and we uh, we have a whole so web, web to browser. Web no farm to web to browser. Oh, farm to web to from browser. our Kansas yes. farms. Yes. to the web yep. to your browser. Yep. Anyway, okay, Glenn. That's uses only the freshest technologies. The freshest technologies from locally sourced uh, programming code. <laughs> Um, speaking of locally sourced, Glenn, um, we have this post that uh, a little-known gentleman member named Brian mm. posted. Mm-hmm. Very underrated poster on gentleman.com. I, I would assume I feel that, like that's a good way to put it. It's that almost out. like he's uh, a lion or a bear. Um, <laughs> actually, this was posted by me, and it's called How Does It Make Scotch Whiskey Bacon? And uh, this is from a little site called Scotch Trooper. Man. It's a good, catchy name. I like that site. Name. Um, I've never seen this site before, but it looks, you know, pretty legit based on the content of the site, which is a simple recipe for scotch whiskey bacon. And basically, uh, it's just a few paragraphs Mm -hmm. and it basically says, Hey, make some bacon in a skillet, preferably a cast iron skillet. Um, then drain it a little bit, throw in some whiskey and some brown sugar and let it cook, let it simmer around for a little bit. Uh, take a couple bites of that bacon and come back and talk to me. <laughs> yeah, pretty. I love how, I love how short and sweet that this article is. Uh, yeah, he could have made a big production about it. He's All like, right. no, this is simple, guys. First, I use a number two. Yeah, straight back bacon, black wing, uh, <laughs> black label, the black knight uh, skillet with. Uh, no, I found the peatier scotches tend mm-hmm. to have more of a. No, he's just like, hey, I like this scotch, but whatever. Use whatever you got. Make this awesome bacon. I haven't made this, but it sounds amazing. It does. And the best part is that he says that his whole family loves it, and that's what they ask for constantly. So, like, it's kind of funny <laughs> thinking little kids want scotch bacon, you know? Like, <laughs> I could see it. I mean, it'd be an interesting taste. You know, the yeah, those two things together sound like they would be pretty, pretty perfect. I Well, it's three things. 
the brown sugar. That's not when I when I first saw the 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 two you know scotch and bacon. I was like, mm-hmm. well, I don't know about that, but it seems to make sense. Like if you add a little sweet to it, it might you know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I need to try it. You you've been burned by uh, in more ways than one oh, by uh, some scotch flavored food items in the past. I have. Yeah, I have. I had a a scotch chili, which was. Um, I think in theory it could have been really, really good, maybe, but the guy got a little overzealous in the amount of scotch that went into the chili, and it was just—it it was painful in more ways than one. Let's put it that way. It was. I, oh, and it was really, really spicy. Were you there? I, I don't think I was there. Okay, you weren't there. But I—I don't—I—I'm just looking at this on paper, strictly on paper, <laughs> and I'm—I'm. I'm, this is not a good idea. <laughs> that flavor. That not in sh- and not in chili, man. That doesn't work. I, and bacon, I can see it actually. And this guy says he says like two tablespoons of of whiskey or something. Yeah, it's just a tiny little and, something. And rub it in some sugar, so yeah. it's going to sweeten it up a little bit. Yeah, and brown sugar. Mix it all together with the bacon fat, and then you know that sounds good. Yes, that could yes. work. Yes, that's plausible. Yeah, scotch chili, <laughs> spicy scotch, spicy scotch chili. <laughs> It was it was painful in like every way possible. Yeah. I, I people get weird with chilies, man. They they start throwing stuff in there because it's like, well, we'll just throw some, you know, uh, throw some Cadbury eggs in there. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, because you can just you know you can kind of monkey with it a little bit and and yeah. trying to make it unique. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's just throw some almonds in there. <laughs> you know. Gross. Dutch Pancake, almond chili. Pancake, man. Dutch almond chili. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird. The scotch? No. So, yeah. Anyway. Well, I'm, I'm sure that there's some good booze chilies out there. Oh, there are. Yeah. I, uh, that one just... I think you could... It, just a hint yeah, of scotch. It was. It was not a hint. It was It was a, a fistful. It was like a, it was a slap punch. in the face. And then Punching the, the crotch. Man. Scotch. It really was. The old crotch. Scotch. 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 <laughs> Scotch crotch punch. That's what it is. This is this is probably the worst episode we've ever filmed. Uh, filmed? No. Not <coughs> recorded. recorded. Um, um, yeah, it could be. Well, we'll we'll, we'll work on. It could get worse. Keep listening. Okay. Um, uh, anyway, okay. Well, so we, <coughs> the gist of it is, we need one of us needs to make this bacon. You know what? We need to make this happen. Lynn and the girls are going out of town. Oh, that's true. I may just take over the kitchen and. <laughs> Make a, I'm gonna wake up here with your with an apron on and. <laughs> well, I mean, in my house. Oh, I'm not gonna yeah, house. I thought you're gonna, you gonna be moving in over the weekend. <laughs> hey, I might. Um, okay. All right, Glenn. Well, let's uh, let's get that figured out. We need to. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll update you next week on our mm-hmm. uh, Scotch whiskey bacon makings. Uh, okay, Glenn. Well, it's time for the gentleman toast this week. Mm-hmm. And once again, uh, we picked a downer. Yeah, uh, which is an obvious choice because uh, the legendary musician Prince just passed away, which is an absolute shame. It is. Um, people have been talking about this a lot, and I get people might be fatigued about Prince, but one of the things that you know, I, the, the, one of the reasons I want to talk about him is because there's some things that people don't mention about Prince. Yes, you know what I mean. Like he's just seen as kind of this '80s pop star or whatever. Made weird music, but. He, there's actually a couple things that people don't really know about him. And one of the things that I really appreciate about Prince is the fact that he was a really talented guitar player. He was unbelievable. Um, he didn't do it very often. Uh, but he could play guitar very, very, very well. And I'm a guitar player. 
uh, I've seen Prince play, and uh, you know, one of the things that I, the first time I think I saw Prince play guitar, I was like, "This guy can actually play guitar. This yeah. is crazy." You think of him as like this synth pop star, but yeah. he's actually really good at what he does. Um, and the other thing is too that I was kind of doing some research about him just for this episode, and he did some really interesting things. Like he, uh, there are several '80s songs by that were really famous, like Sinead O'Connor's "Nothing Compares to You" that he actually wrote. Hmm. That I never knew he wrote that. I song. didn't know that. Uh, but he wrote like 15 songs that were super popular back in the 80s. He wrote a song for um, from Fleetwood Mac, Stevie Nicks. Stevie Nicks. He, he wrote a Stevie Nicks song that was super popular before he got really famous. Hmm. Uh, Cindy Lauper. Uh, you know, just like a girls just want to have fun. Well, not that one, but a different <laughs> one. But I mean, I was reading through all these songs. I was like, wow, he wrote a lot of songs for people. Uh, so, a hidden songwriter. In addition to all his hits, and he got into a huge battle with his record company over his contract, mm-hmm. and fought the good fight, and probably lost a decade of his life and career and everything like that fighting his contract. Yeah, that was probably really unfair to him. Um, Which is why he changed his name, right, from exactly. Prince to the artist formerly known as Prince. That was all because of legal issues, right? And he, and he totally like at the time I was like, oh, what an idiot! I can't believe he's doing yeah, something so too. stupid. But they never, they never came out with a narrative that well he's in this legal battle and he's doing it for good reason. He wants know? to still make music, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I mean, it just seemed like he, uh, he was always a. They said from back when he was seventeen years old, he could play on his first album. I guess he played twenty seven different instruments on the album, and he played every single instrument himself. Um, and so he's always been a hard worker. Obviously, uh, loved music. Came from a musical family, I guess his ancestors are all from Louisiana, all, you know, grandfather's a musician, all this stuff, so just a lot of really cool stuff about this guy that I didn't really realize, um, you know, I knew he was a guitar player, I didn't know all this, all, all the details about this stuff, so hopefully, you know, now that he's passed away, some people will kind of start to recognize his place in, in music history and, and of, you know, it'll be seen as more than that 80s pop star, you know what I mean? Man, the Prince, to me, is one... So my first experience with Prince was I was in kindergarten. Actually, it was the summer before my kindergarten year. Mm-hmm. Batman. Right. Michael Keaton came out. Yeah. And he did the soundtrack for it. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I thought it was the coolest stuff I'd ever heard. I just thought it was like this weird, crazy, like... I, I, I couldn't yeah. describe it. Because I exactly. didn't really know, yeah. understand music at the time, but mm-hmm. I loved it. And so... From an early age, I, I had a, like a awareness of Prince and like his right. his style. Mm-hmm. And uh, by the way, that is that I think that's still my favorite Batman movie mm-hmm. personally. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, um, but the thing about Prince is that he he had one of those personalities and um, I guess auras, for lack of a better word, that yeah. just made everybody around him, you know. Giddy, mm-hmm. like uh, not giddy. He was kind of like a Michael Jackson in a way, yeah. you know, like he, yeah. he made everybody kind of melt, right? But in a weird, different way, yeah. I mean, he was a musical virtuoso, basically in guitar, like you were saying. I mean, mm-hmm. that Super Bowl performance that he gave, yeah, <laughs> recently, like a few years ago, right? right. Four years, three ago? years ago, yeah, I think 2012, maybe four years ago, where ago. he had the guitar and was yeah. you know uh, gyrating with it behind the screen, and yeah, but actually playing the guitar and it yeah. was uh, legit, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Prince is yeah. Prince is gonna be missed. He was a and he was young. Yeah, he was like fifty two or something like 54, that. Fifty four, I thought. Yeah, somewhere around like that. there. Young, um, young. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the other cool thing about Prince that I want to say, which is 
I mean, a couple things, actually. Or one of them's weird, one of them's cool. Uh, later in his life, one of his friends convinced him to join the Jehovah's Witnesses. Okay. Um, just as a, like, he said it was kind of like a religious awakening, not like a, it wasn't like his friend convinced him. Sorry, I shouldn't have said that. It, it, he said it was more like he found the truth through his friend or something okay. like that. But the point is, he would actually go sometimes door to door because his religion it's asked part of him it. to evangelize. <laughs> Prince. Can you imagine? <laughs> no. Prince in a tie showing up at your door. Dearly beloved. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. How awesome would that be? I'd, be, I'd convert immediately. I'd be like, well, Prince says I should be a Jehovah's Witness, so. It'd be like really, you know, he should have like a keytar. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was dreaming when I wrote this. Um, but anyway so but there's that but I want to say something actually really cool about Prince that I read about was that he was actually responsible for starting uh, an organization called Yes We Code which is actually a organization that helps fund uh, getting uh, underprivileged youths into uh, programming and coding and stuff like that Um, he's always been kind of I think the internet was he kind of saw that as a distribution platform he kind of saw that as a distribution platform. Mm-hmm. He's always been interested in, in internet stuff, um, and you know, so I think that he he never he never talked about it because apparently because of his religion, they don't talk about charity that they that they do. It's, it's a part of their religion. Uh, but he he in 2015 he started this this Yes We Code project, which I thought was really cool. Uh, it's always something that I've wanted to get into was trying to help you know kids understand that coding and building websites and building apps and all this stuff is something that they can do yeah um and so it's really cool that's that that prince you know being a rock star and everything like that recognized it as a, a legit uh possibility and put a lot of money and time into making sure that happened so you know pretty cool stuff that's pretty awesome yeah absolutely and it's totally out of his wheelhouse i think yeah yeah, but he understood the importance of right. it, right? And he and he played, you know, he played shows to help fund it, and wow. you know, all that stuff. So really cool stuff. Um, so I check- still can't believe he went door to door. That would be awesome. <laughs> that would be totally awesome to open up your door and see Prince standing out there. Uh, <laughs> I was going to brush you off, but you are Prince. I'm willing to listen. So yeah. Uh, anyway, well, uh, cheers to Prince. Man, I, what is his real name? Does it uh, matter? It, 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 it actually is Prince. He's Prince Rogers Nelson is his name. Oh, okay. So, anyway. To Prince. To Prince. <laughs> Cheers. Okay, well, anyway. All right, Glenn. Well, let's move on from this, this sad news. Yes. Um, but also, I mean, a cheers is a happy thing, too. But, it is. Um, We're remembering him. Yeah. But it's time to talk about the... Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Uh, and this week, Glenn, uh, this is a, I found this article and I, I was really just enthralled by it. And uh, this is this article was called "At Some Farm to Table Restaurants You're Being Fed Fiction." And uh, this is a exhaustive article um, that it really is. It's a long article. <clears throat> I think like there was a couple of podcasts ago where I was telling you before the podcast that you sent me some link and I was trying to read it and I was like, dude, this is so long. This article is so long. We can't do this. Well, it turned out it was five articles because I just looked at the scroll bar. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was looking at the scroll bar and I was like, dude, this article will take forever for me to read. I can't do this. Anyway, this is really that article except it's really just one article. 
Um, but, but you don't want to stop reading it. But you don't want to stop reading it. And I actually did read the whole thing here. Um, so and this I. is this is a report from uh, Tampa Bay, from the TampaBay.com. And it's by Laura Riley, who is a longtime food critic. Mm-hmm. She said she's been doing this forever, basically. She knows all the dirty little secrets of all the local restaurants and whatever. And she said since 2012, she's noticed a disturbing trend where people have started you know, quietly moving up the promotion of uh, their food as being locally sourced. Mm-hmm. Local farms, local producers supplying their foods. Uh, so she wanted to do a study to check out like how real these claims actually are. And what she found out was very interesting, I think, because this, this kind of hits home. Because I'm, I know in Lawrence, Kansas, we're seeing this more and more and mm-hmm. more. There's restaurants, there's farmers markets, there's all these things. They're they're themed on this. There's the local you know grocery store that's supposed to be a co-op that is very centralized on local stuff. Yeah, you know, uh, for a little bit more money mm-hmm. or a lot more money sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, what she did was she went to a bunch of restaurants. She made notes of you know what was on their menu where they said that their suppliers were from and her point is that you don't know you're taking people's word for it if you go to uh, a restaurant and they say their supplier was this or that from wherever and blah 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 um so she actually made notes about where they said that their their food was coming from and she actually tracked them down she actually called up the suppliers and said hey did you sell fish to this restaurant uh did you sell your lettuce to this restaurant did you, you know, do you sell steaks to this restaurant? All the all the different foods that the menu will sit there and say, like, we, you know, our steaks are bought from blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Or it's local fish from, you know, Florida blue crab from, you mm-hmm. know, just down the way and blah, blah, blah. Uh, and what she found out was basically everyone's lying <laughs> about that. Everybody's lying. Everybody is lying. Except for, like, a very small percentage of people that actually really do that. Well... The uh, it seems like they all reading the article. It seems like all, there's like something in common with all these restaurants that are liars, basically. Mm-hmm. And it's that they have a big chalkboard, yeah, with with uh, that touts like, oh, you know, the the veal or you know the lamb came from this farm or a right? menu, right, right, or it's on the menu. But it seems like there's a chalkboard. There's right. always a chalkboard, right? Um, anyway, because they you know they can constantly change it and say right. you know, but but yeah, it was interesting to, to see and a little disheartening because you kind of. You feel you feel definitely. I mean, I don't I don't go to many restaurants. I don't think I've gone to any restaurants in the last year where this has been a thing. But right. you know, there are restaurants around here, and the restaurants definitely in Kansas City area that thrive on this locally sourced food to table or farm to table there, concept. There's at least I mean, there's there's definitely one downtown yep. that I've been to mm-hmm. that I've been extremely unimpressed with, and mm-hmm. I would love to see our local newspaper check out these claims that they're making about where they're getting their food. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the interesting parts of your article is she she interviews the chef at these at one of these restaurants, and he says, "Yeah, we buy our our fish from this Tallahassee supplier that gets it from this farm, and it's almost like a a, a money laundering like a food yeah. laundering operation because he's yeah. like, well, it's a local supplier and they buy it from this local place, mm-hmm. thinking that she wouldn't take it that next step further, yeah." But she did, and she went and called that supplier, and they said, no, we buy our stuff from Wyoming, or no, we, we buy it from China, <laughs> yeah. actually. Yeah. And her point is that, you know, a lot... So, I get the, the, the gist of it is basically that 
all these restaurants started putting this locally sourced and farm-to-table stuff on their menu. But in fact, that's really, really expensive to do. Yeah. And so they're talking about how some of the restaurateurs were like saying, well, I could put a $50 steak on the menu, but no one's going to buy it. I mean, right. it would be locally sourced. It would be grain-fed. It would be organic and all this stuff, but it would be $50. Mm-hmm. You know? And so instead, we put a $15 steak on the menu, and we say, you know, it's blah, blah, blah. It's almost locally sourced. It's a, Yeah, exactly. They find some kind <laughs> of way. We try to locally source it. But what really happens is that most... The thing that's terrible about this is that... And I feel like this is really what's going on, is that... A couple years ago, they started trying to do locally sourced stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And they're like, you know, whatever, it's going to be $30. And people were like, oh, I can't pay $30. That's just too, you know, and so they weren't selling any of it. Mm-hmm. But they found out if they bought the steak from Walmart mm-hmm. and they, <laughs> they were going to sell it for $10, but they said it was locally sourced, they could sell it for 25 Then they're like, oh, well, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, we could just say that stuff's locally sourced and that's really what's happening all over the place is that people are saying all their stuff is locally sourced or most of it is or sustainable and all these weird buzzwords that's not regulated at all none of nobody's looking after this stuff at all but they're jacking their prices up based on that and she found like an unbelievable amount of instances where people were saying you know they they got their food from one place and they were really getting from china or india or wherever and they're like oh yeah i guess our menu is outdated you know yeah well we have to change that yeah exactly to take that but it's like board. they're be able to they're charging a premium price for it yeah and, oh and it, the other chef before that was right that was his thing yeah exactly so everybody had a convenient excuse for it yeah but uh, and they even went down to the farmer's market level where they had examples of somebody selling an organic mozzarella cheese from some special kind of uh, oh water buffalo water buffalo yeah. yeah but it turned out that he was really just getting milk from the store and making the cheese and then selling it at the farmer's market for an increased price yeah because he's got a picture of him like you know towing around this water buffalo yeah. buffalo in this mud yeah. and so anyway i don't want to like just i'm sure there are really real farmer's market stuff out there that's really real mom and pop kind of you know stuff but holy crap you could really i mean that's the problem is that there's money in masking it as you know local stuff there's a huge markup you can pay because people will do it they will pay exactly well it's okay so from 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 for the average person if you have two things all right two things on the menu and one of them says source from china yep and the other one says hey this is local yep kansas right you're going to buy that one. It's going to be $5 ones. more yeah. or whatever, you know, like, 20% well, more. Well, a local guy, you know. I want to support that local, yep. which you understand. And so this is, a re- this is it's really a bait and switch. And that's really unfortunate because mm-hmm. you're taking people's good intentions and turning it around on them. Yeah. The other thing, too, is that I guess there's a, when I was reading this, the takeaways from the article for me was most people that do this and go out of their way to say, oh, we locally source everything, mm-hmm. mostly line. Yep. At least in this sample size of Tampa Bay. Right. I mean, maybe that's not true everywhere. But 200 and some restaurants. 200 restaurants. Yeah. And it was like all but 39 or something like that. I don't remember or, what this, yeah. A lot of them. Yeah. But the ones that were on the, you know, up and up about everything, they were really careful to say, look, we try yeah. to, but I mean, right. we can't. There's right. no, he's like, you know, uh, you, you, it's hard to do the proteins that way because... Right. It's just where we're located. It's just hard to do. They talked to a local pig farmer <laughs> that, and yeah. she was like, "Look, these are my costs. Yeah. This is what I'd have to make." She's like, "I'm only making ten thousand dollars a year on this because yeah. 
it's very rare that some like a restaurant will buy it, but they'll buy it for a special, like for one day yeah. or something, and then it'll be six months before they buy it from her again. Mm-hmm. Like she's like, no one out there has any of my stuff on the menu because right. it would be way too expensive for mm-hmm. them to sell. It just doesn't work. The the math of it doesn't work. But the crazy part is there's like hundreds of menus that have this lady's stuff yep. on it and they say like it's this farm but it really isn't. It's just mm-hmm. like the day they made the menu they had that kind. So and then all of a sudden it. from then on it's like a stamp of approval almost. So then you got the farmers that are pissed because they're they're using that farmer's name, which yep. is like a very good name, mm-hmm. to hide that they're getting their they're literally getting like Cisco uh, pork, yeah, and saying it's a local pig farmer yep. that actually has a very good name in high end Tampa Bay, yeah, pork. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. The one example they gave this guy, he was like, man. So it got so bad that I had to start telling people, if you're using my name, you better have the line item yeah. on the menu, the, or the, 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 the invoice number. Right. <laughs> He's like, that's how awesome. we'll verify it. Yeah. It is. He's like, otherwise I'm coming after you. Yeah. <laughs> Which is good for him. You yeah, know? absolutely. Um, but, but anyway, one of the takeaways is that, so, if you, so wherever you're listening, in your town, if mm-hmm. you go to a restaurant and they say, hey, we've got some locally sourced food. Yeah. Here's some things just from this article that um, we're kind of basing this off of. You can kind of tell that they're probably not actually yeah. locally sourced. If they have it year round, yep, it's not locally sourced. They can't right. be right. And if they have it all the time, like if it's right. a, I mean, if it's like a plant and it's year round, well, that's right. not possible. More they're, nine times out of ten, yeah, they're saying like vegetables have seasons. Yep, and yet that they would have you know some local farms squash or something that yeah. only sells three months a year, but yeah. it's like year round, you yeah. know. Um, Let's see, it's year round, um, and this is that that works with supermarkets too. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Um, there's a website called Eat the Seasons, I think, or something like that. It tells you what's in mm. season right then yeah. if you're interested in that kind of thing. But yeah, um, but yeah, if it's if it's offered year round, it's probably and if it's like a constant steady stream, like like you were saying, the pig farmer only has X amount of pigs, right? It can't sell to everybody, right? So if they say they have a specialized local, right pig that they're using every right. day of the mm-hmm. year it's not it, yeah. it can't be yeah and the you know the farmers will basically sit there and say like there's no way that they could i mean those big suppliers there's like five big suppliers mm-hmm. and they have it's like the walmart of food supplies that that i mean think about that like your local restaurant that you think is like the local place that yep. does local food mm-hmm. one day they start thinking man if we could just sell this $30 pasta dish for, and we could, you know, buy non-local stuff, we'd be making like five times as much money to be yep. doing this thing. So, you it's know, capitalism, man, it's greed. Well, anyway, I shouldn't equate capitalism. I'm going to, I'm going to do an expose on our local uh, farm <laughs> to plate place. All right. Not even that. Yeah. Uh, also our, our local Merck grocery store. Yeah. You know what I mean? They, they really jack some prices up there. I'm now I was reading this article thinking about, Hmm, yeah. I wonder if that you know steak that they're yeah. selling for twice as much is really well. We know some reporters of the local newspaper. That's true. We can get some. We could get some hard hitting evidence. That's and, true. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I I was a little disappointed. I I always I really like the concept. I mean, in theory, I like the concept of yeah. farm to table. I mean, it's a yeah. great concept. Yep. If it actually worked, but yeah. apparently it doesn't because it's just well, impossible. Just a bunch of people exploiting it, and then yeah. there's there's some legit people out there that really yep. do this. They actually had people in the article that. All the farmers confirmed, like, mm-hmm. if he said his stuff came from wherever, that they wouldn't talk to him. They're like, yeah, that guy buys my stuff. 
Yeah. Uh, but it was it was so rare. It was like one dude in the entire article that they could track down that actually advertised it that stuck to it. And he was basically like, it sucks. Like, it's so expensive, it's hard for me to even do it because it's so hard, you know, financially as yeah. far as buying your supplies. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, anyway. I don't know. Interesting story. Tricky I, business. It is a tricky business. And I'm pissed off about it. You, you should know? be, Brian. I, I'm... I'm a hundred percent sure that our local farm to table restaurant yeah. is not a hundred percent, which is a bit dodgy too, because we know one of the owners. Yeah. So this but, could be a perilous, you know, tightrope walk for Brian as he's trying to find these hard hitting answers. And I just want the truth. You know what I mean? I'm just a truth seeker. I don't care what the truth is, but you better be telling me the truth. Cause if you're not, I don't care who you are. I'm going to come down on you. <laughs> Well, there you go. There's anyway. the hot button topic. Uh, so that was a hot button topic, Glenn. That, right. It's still it's very hot. Yeah, it is. It's still sizzling. I'm, over I'm here. hot under the collar over here. <laughs> let me tell you. Uh, so anyway, check, uh, go to podcast.podcast.gentleman.com, uh, and I will link up this uh, farm to fable article for you. Um, and it's an interesting little read. It takes a while to read, but it was mm-hmm. really eye opening when I got through all the details of the the story. Okay, Glenn. Well, it's time for the final segment, which is the questions from the gentleman mailbag. And this week, Glenn, uh, spring is sprung. Yes, and along with it, so have yards everywhere mm-hmm. in the country. And mm-hmm. uh, so, I was curious, Glenn. Uh, I wanted to get your take on what the uh, worst yard chore is for you to do around your house. Well, I'm I'm fortunate in that I don't have much of a yard. Um, I mean. Mm-hmm. I, it's a decent size yard. I'd yeah, say. it's not like it's, like it's not like average. the McKinney back forty here. Yeah. Uh, so I don't have a yeah, um, but yeah, there is some there is some upkeep that needs to happen, and uh, I don't mind mowing. Mowing's like a it's a it's a well defined you know I know just about how long it's going to take every single time. Mm-hmm. I know when it needs to happen. Right. You know that's not, maybe not the same thing for you, but <laughs> I'm gonna uh, get to that. In a my, my yard is pretty tiny, right? In terms of the actual grass, I right? Mean. So you, it's an enjoyable. I mean, yeah. you, with like 45 minutes, you're done. Please, 20, 20 minutes, 20 minutes. Wow. Yeah. Well, yeah, well no, not 30. Let's right. say 30. It's quick and mm-hmm. it's easy. Yeah. Um, and now that I got a new mower. It's even quicker and easier. Yeah. Um, yeah. Absolutely. And I won't cut my fingers off. Right. Which is good. But anyway, so I don't mind the mowing. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I don't mind raking leaves. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of fun and kind of, you know... Fall and... Introspective. Yeah, You're right. outside. It's, you mm-hmm. know, nice. But I will say this. Our fence row has a ton of... Uh, man, I don't overgrowth. know. Overgrowth. Yeah, overgrowth. And it mm-hmm. pops up every year. Yep. And it's always... It seems to be like... I never catch it in time. Right. I never catch it early enough that it's sprouted. So mm-hmm. I get to it. It's got leaves on it in the right. spring. And I got to hack down all this crap around my yard and bundle it up and lug it out to the street and it's yeah the spores are falling on me everywhere right you don't really know if you're getting a hold of like poison poison ivy or poison oak i don't know we'll find out tomorrow and And you just get to a point where you're just like i don't care i'm just gonna i'm just (laughs) gonna rip it down (laughs) yeah (laughs) but the more you cut the more you have to like bundle up yeah it's just Mm -hmm. (sighs) anyway i i don't enjoy that that is that is my least favorite by far um Uh uh-huh there are some really invasive vines and 
we shrubbery we've got uh our for lack of a better word we've got honeysuckle that is <laughs> like i mean it, it's everywhere it's so i think it's, it's like, growing out of my ears right it's now. like the std of your yard yeah basically, basically yeah we've got it all over so like my mission this summer is to try to cut that back a little bit you know what i mean um but let me tell you about my okay let yeah. me tell you about my uh cross the bear this I live on a football field, basically, <laughs> and I have to mow with that a hill with, uh, with a hill, like an inclined football field. <laughs> and every three weeks, I've got to mow the football field. Three weeks? Yeah. Wow. Three weeks, maybe four, if I really want to destroy my myself. Wow. Um, most people would have a push or would have a riding lawnmower for this job. Yeah. I do not. I have a push mower. Yes. So I've got to go out every, you know, three weeks on a Sunday and push mow the football field. Um, th- this is like a uh, exercise in seeing how far I can push my body before I collapse. <laughs> I-, I swear, I went out on Sunday, this last Sunday, to mow stuff, and I was literally seeing things. <laughs> like, <laughs> I got three-fourths of the way through. And you get three-fourths of the way through, you don't want to stop. Because you're like, I don't want to do this tomorrow. I want to finish this up. But I was sitting there, and, you know, you're looking around, and, you know, crows are flying by or whatever. I start seeing, kind of like, seeing some stuff. And I'm like, am I really, I don't know if that's real. It's like a uh, naked Indian, but well, yeah, in somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. it was so, I mean, I was so hot. It was so, this, like, sweating. Um out of shape my body's just totally discombobulated from this whole experience and it was like am i going to keel over and die or am i going to finish mowing the lawn i don't know i didn't know which way it was going to go really didn't it was touch and go for a while there wow um so you know when you're in that situation mm. i don't mind as much cleaning up the honeysuckle because it's like <laughs> You know, I'm gonna I, like I'll I'll go out and I'm like I want to do this for about two and a half hours and I'm gonna see how far we can get. It doesn't tax me too much. I'm not like on the verge of passing out or anything mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Um, but like every time I go out to mow the lawn, there's always this point where I'm thinking, you know, I should just stop, but I need to. I should get this done, and so I push it as far as it'll go. And by the end of it, uh, I'm I'm just in shambles. <laughs> I my body's worn torn down and i'm exhausted i would just go buy a riding lawnmower but damn it's like 2500 bucks or something to go right buy a riding lawnmower man um you know so i keep telling myself every year comes around and i'm like this is the last year when i'm done with this year and this push mower next year i'm gonna get a riding lawnmower yeah and i i still haven't done it this is year three it's so, hard to do that with mowers yeah it's mm. hard Mowers are very expensive, and they're yeah. just that thing that you don't think you really should spend money I know. on. If for whatever reason, it, two thousand works. Two thousand dollars. It's like you're sitting there looking at two thousand. If you had a stack of you know hundred dollar bills and they were two thousand dollars, and you're like, do you want to go buy a riding lawnmower with this, or do you want to go buy an electric guitar with this? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you just, do you really want to go buy the lawnmower? You don't at the end of the day. Cause no. you start, you start talking yourself out of it is the problem because you start saying like, well, it's only three months in the summer and yeah. you know, it's only once every three weeks. I mean, what do I have to do? Like mow the lawn six times? Like I only have to put myself, myself through hell six times. So why spend $2,000 on it? You know what I mean? That's like $300 a month. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so anyway, but, uh, but yeah, 
So that that wow. would be that would be my least favorite, whatever. But I feel like someday, you know, someday I'll I'll jump into the riding lawnmower crew and I'll just sip some beers and drive down and I'll be thinking about all those times. <laughs> yeah, I was sitting there thinking about all those times I push mowed that lawn. Uh, Man, I gotta tell you, I gotta come up here the next time you mow your lawn and just sit on your deck <laughs> and drink beer and just watch you. It, it gets. It, I'm sure it would be super embarrassing. There's a point where I feel myself pushing the lawnmower and I'm like this because I'm just so, so it's, it's like almost horizontal. It's like I'm floating or something pushing the lawnmower. <laughs> Uh, because I'm so, it's like I just I can't push it like this because I'm like if I push it like this, <laughs> get the max amount of like, yeah, you're pushing as far as you can. My body's just you know, it's not up to the task, man. <coughs> oh, uh, I'm sorry. So anyway, yeah, you should. It would be comical. I'm sure. I'm sure the neighbors get out because they've got a nice riding lawnmower. Yeah, I'm sure they're sitting out there, sitting on their porch, laughing at me every you time. Yeah, we I'm could out there. just mow them, right? Yeah, exactly. But it's too entertaining to sit there and watch me like, ah, uh, yeah. Can't get any more horizontal. Oh man, I need to. You know, I need to make some video clips of me mowing the lawn sometime. Like, a, a, oh, like a GoPro, dude. I need to do like to- a Apple time lapse video of me go. mowing my lawn. Holy crap, that would be awesome. Because <laughs> by the end of it, I'll just be, you know, oh man, I'm I'm doing that next time. Full on time lapse video. Oh. Anyway, okay, Glenn. Well, that that's my least favorite. So, yeah, we should trade jobs. You should come over here and uh, take care of some of my honeysuckle, and I'll go over and uh, mow your lawn. You gotta the the the, th- the trick with my lawn that's deceiving is you gotta unless you want to step in it, you gotta pick up the old mazy. Uh, <laughs> oh, you gotta scoop the, the landmines. Yeah, landmines, huh? So I have a I have a boxer. Uh-huh. Uh So the boxer. Yeah, it's like that song, the boxer, the bo- the boxer rebellion, more like it. Yeah, um, <clears throat> yeah. So there's that. Well, we, I don't have. They don't have that issue really going on. Well, I got deer, deer, deer droppings. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so there's that, but you know, uh, so you got to avoid that sometimes. But anyway, okay, Glenn. Well, seriously, deer? Yeah, really? Yeah, there's you. you yeah, deer you crap see. in your yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't have that. Yeah, it's a little. Off putting sometimes, but you know, seriously, Bambi, just you go, go yeah. to the other side of the stream, right? I put this whole thing in here, <laughs> side area for you to go, <sighs> anyway. All right, Glenn, well, that was uh, episode 87. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, my how the time has I am gone. I am spent from laughing, I haven't laughed yeah. that hard in a long time. It's been a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's what's even more comical, iron, ironical. I, I, <laughs> the irony is, Brian, mm-hmm. is it one? It wasn't one of our best episodes. I would probably, yeah, no, I think people would, but agree with that. But I don't know why that was so funny. Mm. But you think the the laughter and the I don't want to talk down on it. I'm just saying that coming out of the shoots, it it didn't it, it didn't flow. <laughs> we had a lot of distraction. What kind of analogy is this? <laughs> I'm confused now. It's a racing analogy. Oh, a racing. Okay, gotcha. Uh, well, interesting. Uh, (laughs) 
Uh, well, speaking of flowing out of the chutes, uh, that was a that was episode eighty seven. I'm gonna pull myself together here in a second. I am. Uh, I'm. I'm Brian McKinney, and this is the riveting Glenn Stansberry. I'm. I'm done. I'm riveting Glenn Stansberry's done. Uh, thanks everybody out there for listening to episode 87 uh, looking forward to episode 88 in two weeks yes yes uh, every two weeks we do the gentleman podcast and we know it and love it and we appreciate everybody out there that listens to it and thanks for supporting gentleman.com and everything that we do we see you guys in two weeks sayonara